You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Welcome back, fight fans. This is Once to Watch Series 3, and I'm so glad that we're back for another series. The demand is there. People want to come on this series. Fighters want this exposure, and I'm really glad and privileged to be able to bring this to yourselves and bring these fighters to the mainstream audience to discuss their stories, to talk about their journeys through boxing, what stage of their careers are at, whether they're 1-0, 2-0, 3-0 or whether they're 12-0. We're going to be speaking to some great guests from across the UK and world boxing scene. So before we get into the episode then, as always Fight Fans, please go and follow us on social media at BTR Boxing Pod on Twitter and BTR Boxing Podcast on Facebook. Now if you've not already subscribed to the podcast, you can do so by finding us First of all, on Apple Podcasts, if you are an Apple Podcast, subscribe, please rate and review us because it really helps us get forward in the podcasting charts, brings more exposure to us and in turn brings more exposure to the fighters we have on the show. Also, if you're on Android, you can find us on any good available podcasting app such as Podbean, Stitcher, Spreaker, Player FM. We're even on Spotify to follow us on there. And if you want to watch us on YouTube, you can do that by finding us on Eat Sleep Boxing Repeats YouTube channel. So, this is the first episode in Series 3 of Ones to Watch, and I'm delighted to welcome onto the episode Daniel Morley, who's currently 5-0 as a professional. He's been a professional for two years, just about now, and I'm really excited to talk to him about what his career has entailed so far. His journey through boxing, where did it all begin for Daniel? Well, we're going to find out. Let's bring him into the conversation. Daniel, thank you so much for coming on Ones to Watch, Series 3. How you doing, Sean? You all right? 
Yeah, thanks for coming on the show. Really appreciate you taking the time out, Dan. Uh, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. So the purpose of the Ones to Watch series is to get guys like yourself across to the mainstream audience and, and let them find out a little bit more about you as a fighter and what your journey's been through boxing. So there's only one place we can really start then with your story. And let's start at the beginning and, and what it was that first got you involved in the sport of boxing. Well, you know, I, I played a lot of sports when I was very young football cricket you know, a little bit of rugby and in the uh, neighborhood i grew up in I, I don't know it's just I, I didn't not fit in i had friends but i didn't feel comfortable or necessarily safe in there i grew up in mitcham so i was i was quite an insecure kid growing up i was very shy i, I, I didn't like confrontation um we moved to me and my family moved to epsom when i was 12 and uh you know it's a lot safer around here it's a lovely area and there was a boxing gym in epsom a couple of my friends from school were going to uh luke clark was 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 my friend that was you know he, he he'd been coming down here for about eight weeks so i thought you know what i've always i've always liked the idea of challenging myself in that way it literally contrasted every characteristic that i have you know so you know fuck it, i'm gonna i'm gonna go for it and uh, i packed my bags and uh Walked down to to the gym, Epsom and you went into a boxing club, and um, I was I was so scared, heart beating, sweating, <laughs> nervous, and uh, I just turned back and went home. I, I, I bottled it, and you know I thought about it for a few days. It sort of itched away at me, and eventually I went back. To, um, to Epsom and York. Literally had no idea how to box. A man called Lee Burrows taught me the basics and I got in there with the biggest boy that they had in there. He had a bit of a reputation about him and um, to be honest, man, I just took it from there. I enjoyed it and uh, I-, I think I had my first fight about a year later. But yeah, that's 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 how I got into it, really. Just just intrigued by it and, um, and gave it a go. So before you went to the boxing gym, was you a fan of the sport? Did you enjoy watching fights on the telly or was it something that wasn't really on your mind? Now, you know what? It was one of them. Like, I remember Ricky Hatton fighting Mayweather, David Hay fighting Value with, like the big fights. I remember seeing them, like the big pay-per-view fights, and uh, they take my interest. But, you know, whenever I thought about boxing, I thought of, you know, Muhammad Ali and Mike Tyson and Rocky. That was the thing that sprung to my mind. I didn't know anything about like, the technique of it um, or, 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 you know, all, all, all the stuff that goes into it. I, I knew you had to work hard because my granddad had a boxing fight in this, I don't know, I don't want to get this wrong, probably about the 60s or the 70s. But that, that was the only sort of link my family had to boxing. Because I was, I was always intrigued by sports as a whole, so I liked the fitness side of it as well, like before, before I tried it. So when you went to that gym for the first time then, the first time you went, you turned around and went back, and I give it a couple of days, you go back there, and what was the difference between them couple of days? What was it that made you ultimately change your mind and think, actually you know what, I'm not scared, I'm going to go in and I'm going to go for this. I was scared, I was still scared when I went. I don't know, it's just, it's something that I didn't know at the time, but I've learned through boxing is that, you know, put, um, challenging your character is how you'll come on as a person. And I, I wasn't, I wasn't happy in myself, I think, as, as a kid, you know, I wasn't what I wanted to be. I wanted to be, I, I, I was, I made myself out as if I was uh, an outcast, but I had lots of friends, but I wanted to be more, I wanted to be more confident in myself. So I, I, I pushed myself so, and, and I just wanted to be good at it, you know what I mean? So I, 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 I thought, you know, if, if I can, if I can do this and overcome it, then it, only, only good things are going to happen from it. And it just sort of it's the way of me. I didn't stop thinking about it, and if if I don't do this, then I'm never gonna. It's it's, it's always gonna irritate me. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So when you was training for the first few sessions, what what was it like? Because 
I know like when you first go down there and they teach you to do combinations on the pads and you you get you got to get the timing right and you've got to throw the hooks in, in in the right position. What was it like them first few sessions for you? It was good. It was it was addictive because you know it's, it's for me it was learning how to defend myself as well and learning a, a martial art in a sense. You know where it's like p- picking those little skills up and gradually just getting your timing right, getting your technique right, feeling more power in the shot. It's addictive because because you're learning constantly. So I really liked it. You know, there was loads of kids my age down there. You was get you was toughening up as well because I, I I'd never had a fight before. So I was getting in there with people that really knew how to do damage, and and I, I wasn't going down. Surprised me. So you know, just just these new challenges that I was uh, that were confronting me were were exciting, and I was I was doing well at it. So as time went on and you started to become more able and and actually enjoy being in the gym and enjoy sparring with the other kids that were there. At what point did you think to yourself, you know, I think I'm actually going to be able to do something here or I'm going to be able to push myself on to actually have competitive fights? Yeah, that was, I mean, there was a boy called Tom Simmons down the gym and I sort of looked up to him at this time because uh, he, he had like 10 fights or something. He, he, he punched hard and he knocked people out. And I, I was talking to him and I went to see one of his fights probably about five months into it and um, five months to, into when I started. And I just thought, oh, I'm going to give this a go. I'm going to really, really push myself from my comfort zone and have a fight. And um, I spoke to my coach and we decided to, to have a, a, a real fight, not skills bout. So it was probably about five, six months. So it was quite, it was quite a quick change for me. It was quite a quick development for me. So when you got through that first sort of stage of going into the amateur side of the scene, what was it like for you in terms of actually being involved in competitive fights and then you know knowing that you're actually in there to not essentially hurt the other opponent but obviously score points against the other opponent and and go in there to competitively beat the opponents what was it like for you the first time you stepped in the ring yeah it was it was tough it was um it was uh, uncharted territory for me so you know I, I was pushing myself more emotionally than physically you know just getting myself ready for fights the, the hardest part of the fight is waiting in the changing room. Once you're out there, it's, 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 it's natural. But just overcoming that mental side of it w- was new for me. And, um, you know, that, that, was the big, that was the biggest challenge. Um, but really and truly, I just, I, I, enjoyed, I enjoyed it in a selfish sort of way, if you know what I mean. I wasn't uh, hurting my opponents, but I was, I was the centre of attention in, in, in a different way, in a, in, a, in a competitive way. And I really enjoyed that. I, I really enjoyed that sort of... I enjoyed winning as well, do you know what I mean? Beating one person in a competition, in a fight, which is probably yeah, the manliest thing you can do. It was so against my character at the time that I was just hooked. I was hooked on it. It, it was worth dealing with all of the psychological strain just, just for that buzz, that adrenaline. So whilst you was doing this, what was life like for you outside of the ring? Did this completely consume what you did? Or was you still involved in other things in life? Like, was you did you play football with the other lads? And did you get involved in stuff like that? Yeah, yeah, no, I was still, I was still smoking with my friends at the time. <laughs> I was still <laughs> eating, eating crisps and drinking Coke. Uh, I was playing football. I was just, I was 14 when I started. So, you know, I was literally just, um, just being a kid. I, but I, I, I'd, I'd taken to this new training. You know, I wasn't running yet. I didn't realise how hard I had to work because I was very, I was very new into it. I was, I was a baby. But um, no, life, life was good. I, I, I just moved over here. I've been here for a few years in Epsom, and uh, 
I, I was happy. Uh, you know, I've, I've just got positive memories of just going to the park, riding my bike, and just pissing about with my mates, really. But doing boxing on the side and trying not to ever miss a session, just because I was I was enjoying improving. Let's move into your amateur career then, and talk to us about what your amateur career was like and what championships and regionals you was involved in. Yeah, um, I, you know what? I never really enjoyed amateur boxing as a whole. Um, you know, it's, it's sort of it's laying the foundations for being a professional boxer. That that was how I thought about it, learning my craft in, in competitive fights. And I didn't like the, the vests or the headgear or the big squidgy gloves. I didn't like the two-minute rounds and the point scoring. Uh, I, I never really enjoyed it, but stuck with it. And I had, you know, I had 25 fights. I, I won London titles, um, Southern Area titles, regional titles, made national finals. Um, and yeah, you know, I, I, I did quite well. I was... I never really got dominated apart from one fight and I just, I just got chucked in with the best. I, I boxed about a dozen national champions early on and it stood me in, it stood me in good stead because, you know, when you're, when you're boxing against those people that are better than you, it, it, it brings you on, it pushes you, chucks you in the deep end and, you know, to be honest, it, looking back, I wouldn't have changed it. I would have kept it exactly the same because now I'm a pro. I, I feel like I've got a solid foundation underneath me. And did you come across any fellow professionals whilst you were an amateur? Any ones that people may know that are on the professional circuit at the moment? Um, oh, oh, I have to think about this now. Uh, yeah, I boxed a boy called Billy Underwood, who's a pro now. Yep. Um, we had a good fight. I think I think I, I won that one. Uh, I boxed a boy called Lewis Richardson. I don't think he's professional, but he's like top of the amateur level. Team GB, you know, multiple time national champion. Um, I, 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 I sort of boxed with quite a few professionals, like Lawrence Acoli, um, people of that caliber. We we went on trip. Well, I went on a trip to Ireland and was on the same team as them. Paul Greenwich. Yeah, I mean Turk Garvey. I, I, there's 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 quite a lot of people that I've sort of crossed paths with and sort of either sparred, boxed or boxed with that are doing well as a pro uh, or in the amateur scene now. So, yeah. so when you got to the what you would say the end of your amateur career, what what was it for you in terms of turning professional? Was it a no brainer or did you have to sit and really think about whether this was the right path to go down at this point? No, it was a bit of a uh, bit of a crossroad to me, to be honest. Because towards the end of my amateur career, I was hitting my my um, you know, my clubbing years, so to speak, as a as a kid. I was like eighteen, nineteen. That's when all my friends were going out. You know, you sort of. I had a few personal troubles going on, like family members being lost. You know, I was, I was getting on a little bit of a bad route and I, I packed boxing in as an amateur for, for a few years because I was losing focus, not training as hard as I was for fights. And, and there was one fight in particular, my very last fight, in which I just got bashed about. Um, I was spitting blood, I had two black eyes, um, and I just thought, you know what, no, I need to take some time out. And um, it was in that time out that I was working normal jobs. And I worked at uh, the airport doing shift work, you know, three in the morning, home one in the morning, and I just, I just weren't happy with it. You know, I, I, I miss boxing, and um, tried so hard to get back into it. But it was so, so tough just to get back into that routine and and build yourself up again. And it was chatting to my girlfriend actually, and she just said, "Look, you're not happy doing this. You need to, you need to start boxing basically." And um, I just knuckled down after about two years out the ring, turned professional, and 
I haven't really looked back, to be honest. Um, so, um, psychologically, I'm in a much better place with, with the focus and the drive in my life. And Yeah, but it, it wasn't just one of those sort of, yeah, finish your, your amateur boxing career and turn over to the pros. Uh, I had a lot going on in between that. And it, sort of, it was sort of like fate, really, that I ended up back in back in boxing. I don't know. I just, I just missed it. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? You get to a point in your life where you sort of question whether or not it's the right thing for you to do. And obviously, with outside stuff going on with family, and, and, and obviously as you said you were getting to the point where most lads at that age are going out and partying every weekend and, and, and doing the things that they do at that age and, and obviously for you it's it's a massive distraction some people can be really really focused and never come out of boxing and, and just be completely mm. rigorous with what they do but then some people they have to have this sort of period of time where they need to reflect upon what they're doing to be able to determine whether that's the right decision in their lives and obviously you took that time out for various reasons as you were saying and now you're back you made your professional debut last april 2018 mm. and you've like you say you've not looked back since you've obviously gone five and oh as a professional now you've had five fights at the york hall and you've been in with obviously notable names that are fight on the road week in week out how have you found the professional mm. experience now compared to what it was as an amateur oh man i love it i love it i mean i link him back to what you were saying about uh losing focus there it's like it got to the point in amateur fights so I was going out you know, on the piss with my friends or two days before a fight. It, it just wasn't healthy. Um, and part and parcel of that was, was the unpredictability of amateur boxing. You know, you might, you have to train all year round and you might have a fight two or three days in, in advance in advance, and you have to be fit, which you know, now isn't a problem because I train all the time. But the difference with professional boxing is you have a fight six to eight weeks in advance and I love that. I love having the uh, challenge just grinding down, just continuously training up in the intensity so that's that's a big difference for me i love the longer rounds you know all my friends and family come to watch me my, my fights have become an event now for for you know my, my little my little sort of group of people that, <laughs> that follow me and i just i just love it it's, it's more brutal as a sport you feel you feel each punch more you put a lot more strain on your body in training but you know i like it and i can i can i can feel myself on a path now Whereas amateur boxing, it was just gaining experience. I'm on the ladder now, on the way to where I want to be. So, you know, I'm, I'm loving it at the minute. Really hope you're enjoying this episode. Just want to take a quick moment to give a shout out to the sponsors for the podcast, Bear Attack Boxing, producing high quality boxing gloves, equipment, wraps, pads, T-shirts, you name it, they've got it. And as a loyal listener to BTR Boxing Podcast, you are entitled to a 10% discount off your basket. If you go to the promo code and enter BTR10, you will be able to get a 10% discount on your basket. So go over and check them out on social media at Bear Attack Boxing, Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. And their website is www.bearattackboxing.co.uk. Go and check them out. Get that discount code. Get some great quality products from them. So now that you're professional, now that you're 5-0, obviously you've got plans in your career to to, to go on and, and achieve things in the sport. In your mind at this moment in time, what what is it about over the next 12 months? Is it about just gaining the professional experience and then, and then pushing on for sort of a regional, say, southern area title? Or is it about just going full steam ahead with your career now? Um, to be honest with you, I'm, I'm still only young. I'm only 22, so I'm, I'm in no rush any means whatsoever but I just I just like fighting there's something about an exciting fight that gets me going so you know I, I will fight anyone they put in front of me in regards to title fights of 10 rounds maybe next year maybe the year after um, yeah well, it's whenever an opportunity comes up you know 
like, like you sort of touched upon there, I've boxed some really tough journeymen whose records don't reflect their skills. But realistically, they don't want to give it give it a go. They don't want to win because they're boxing next week and the week after and the week after just to make a living. I want to box people that are in the same boat as me. You know, they're they're, they're on a there's more on the line, and they're going to give it a real go. That's that's what I want right now. But you know, in in in, in the long haul with the regional titles, I just I leave that up to my coaches and my manager. That is that. I'm in good hands at the minute and there's absolutely no rush. Yeah, and that's that's understandable and obviously, you know, you're getting the experience behind you by sort of starting and stepping up the rounds as the fights go on and, and, and fighting guys that have been in with some fantastic prospects who've gone on to do good things themselves. So it's it's understandable at this stage of your career you are looking to, to, to that going forward. But aside from obviously what you're doing as a pro, outside of the ring, as we were talking about earlier, you know, we're talking about having to build your own profile up having to start from the bottom and start from scratch and getting people to know who you are and going out there and and selling tickets and you know dropping tickets off and doing everything you need to do to to be a professional how have you found that transition yeah that's that's been the toughest thing i mean right now in the last sort of eight to twelve months i say it's been a lot easier because i've i've managed to work for myself doing what I love you know, personal training um, and I can do my own hours I can work everything around my boxing in that sense but for the first sort of 16 months it, oh, it was it was horrid you know I was you have to work outside boxing that's one of the big things people don't really understand when you're a professional boxer is that you don't actually make any money if you haven't got a big promoter it usually ends up costing you money um, paying opponents fees you know selling all the tickets house fees it's it's not a lucrative game at all when you when you just start out so you know it was it was hard first of all i'd go you know days and days without getting any money weeks without getting a payday working on building sites um and training at the end of the day all all for all for no money at that period so that that was tough and like you say you have to drum up all your own interests um, promote yourself, sell all your own tickets, which which is hard. But in the same sense, I've been lucky that I've got my family around me, and I've got you know I, I, I've built up now a, a good following that they always share my stuff. And you know, word sort of getting around now, people are sort of hearing who I am and what I'm doing, and you know, it's, it's positive. So people are taking a positive response to it, which, which is good. But you you do have to graft through these first few years as a pro. There's, there's no doubt about it. No, you do 100%. I mean, it's only been five professional fights for you, but even at this early stage of your career, has there ever been a period of time where you were sort of alluding to earlier there was days without money? Has there been a period of time there where you felt to yourself, why am I doing this? Um, yeah, we're, we're, when I think about it, it's sort of shallow, shallowly, well, I don't know if that's a word, but when I, when I sort of take a shallow approach to it, um, then I think, oh, what am I doing, man? I, I'm, <laughs> I'm pain, I'm grafting, I'm no money, I'm really struggling and I've got no secure you know long-term financial goals if you know what i mean or short term um so yeah you do have loads of moments of doubts but you know you just have to push through and look at the bigger picture there's, there's no guarantee that i don't break my hand next week and i can never box again or something but you just have to believe that you know you're going to be lucky injury wise and you're going to just keep prodding along keep grafting and eventually you're going to have your big break and all of this is just going to be an investment for a big future so you have to you have to think positively. You have to work hard and just 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 try, uh, plod away and take any help you can get. You know, it's, it can be a lonely place when you're when you're putting all this work in and getting nothing out of it. But you put yourself out there, and you'll you'll see that there is lots of people out there that want to help you. And um, 
you just got you just got to ask for it. And on the subject of that, it's a, a nice point to lead into really what is key for a fighter at this stage of the career is you see it all the time on social media fighters are constantly looking for that extra support to go alongside the boxing career they're looking for a company who who can sponsor them who can help them in some capacity to further their career to to be able to come out of work or to be able to at least work part-time to focus on the boxing career what's that been experience been like for you have you had that experience and have you got sponsors that are supporting you in some capacity at the moment oh yeah yeah, I mean, it's 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 sort of links back to what I'm saying. It's 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 all about getting yourself out there and asking for it. Because when I first started, I expected people to see what I was doing. You know, local professional boxer. Oh, we'll, get, we'll we'll sponsor him. But it doesn't happen overnight. You have to sort of build um, build relationships with people. You have to you know expand your network. And over time, uh, over over the time I've been a pro, I've 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 been really lucky and with sponsors. I've had, you know, one of my old um, college teachers sponsors me. He comes to every single one of my fights and he supports me. He he owns Pilgrim Brewery now in, in Rygate. And I mean, you know, it, it's it's stuff like that. It's just it's unbelievable when I, when I think about it. Cause it's just it's such a such an act of kindness to, you know, get invested in what I'm doing and, and sponsor me. You know, so, yeah, it's, I, I've, I've been lucky in that regard. I've got good people around me that take into my journey, take into me as a person. And, yeah, I've, I've, I've got a foundation, the Dylan House Foundation, that sponsor local athletes around the area. Um, like I say, the brewery. You know, I'm going to shout out all my sponsors now. <laughs> 100%, get it done. Uh, yeah, I've got, you know, New Era Metals, who you've got Paul, who's always down the gym, and he even gives me sparring for a fight. You know, and he's such a top bloke. I've got local charities that uh, sponsor me. You've got Homes for Heroes UK, people that are willing to make websites for me, people that are willing to go out of their way and make videos for me free of charge to help with my fights. You know, there's, there's so many people that, that are willing to help me on my way now. And it's just, you know, it's um, you couldn't really do it without, you know, there's been times where it's made me cry. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not one to really, to really say that. But people have, have have offered me things and I've welled up. And it is such a big help because I'm really, really, really trying here, putting my everything into it. And you know, it's 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 more a fact that people are taking notice of it. Do you know what I mean? And and giving me just taking notice of it and and, and helping it, it, it. Yeah, it means a lot. We've got to give a big shout out to all them sponsors, of course, because without them, you know, you wouldn't be able to. Con- continue to progress your career in the fashion that you are doing and obviously people are picking up on on what you're doing aren't they and and as a result of that you know it's helping you progress the career in the way you want to yeah oh i mean don't get me wrong you look at people like marvin Hagler. i don't know whether he had sponsors coming up in the day but i know he made about 60 dollars for his pro debut and then you look at people like sugar ray leonard like the olympians who are getting tens of thousands and you got that contrast and you know it, you, you might it might take you a little bit longer starting off with you know nothing in the game but if you eventually chug along you'll get there but they're, they're sponsored you know, these sponsors they just give you that freedom that it just frees up that stress in your mind of having to like take your focus off of boxing and work all the hours under the sun just to pay your bills and then getting in the ring and paying your opponent out of your own money it's it's, it's very stressful psychologically you know having to buy all your own shopping um do all your own cooking do everything for yourself you know you've got to do all of that but when you've got a little bit of help it just takes such a such an ease of things you know um, as 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 a as a pro, you know, I, I pretty much do everything sort of myself. If, if you know what I mean, I'm quite independent. I do my own cooking, my own travel, my own cleaning, my own everything, except for mine. And my stepmom does that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, just literally, just just having that, just knowing that there's someone supporting you, 
just giving you a little bit here and there. It's just, it just eases you up and relaxes you so much. And obviously, give a big shout out to, to Colin from CM Management, who, who set this interview up. Uh, obviously, he manages oh, yourself man. and a couple yeah. of other professional fighters who I've spoken to for this series as well. Uh, Ryan Charles was another one who we spoke to last series. And, you know, the job he's obviously doing for you guys is is really helping push your, your profiles out there. With all the stuff you have to do as a professional fighter, you know, th- these yeah. little things that really help. Colin's a beast, man. I love Colin. He's I've never actually met him, you know, but I mean I spoke to him so many times. He his knowledge of just everything in boxing is just it's just it's overwhelming. And you know, I'll get a message at like one in the morning about an opportunity and scumthorpe or something for a modern opportunity that might progress my career. And it's just little things like that. It's just just the uh, the dedication he shows just to just to try and help you out. And all of these interviews he gets me. And uh, it, it, people people know people see them coming out and people think, oh yeah, Dan's fighting too. So Colin's a lifesaver for me, man. He he helps me out so much. And I know he does a lot with other boxers as well. And um, yeah, I, I've been lucky to fall a, fall upon Colin. So yeah, shout out Colin. Management. So let's just talk finally about where you want to go with your career. And you know, I appreciate at this stage it's very early, but when you set out in the professional ranks, what was your ultimate ambition and what is your ultimate ambition in terms of what you want to achieve in the sport? Well, obviously, you know, I, I look at they're not around anymore, but I used to love watching HBO boxing, you know, Jim Lampley, uh, Harold Littleman, and that that whole crew that was my dream to be announced by Michael Buffer and then them calling my fights on that platform uh, I love that top level platform especially HBO but that's not going to happen now in HBO but you know obviously like, the dream is top level get get there make a career make a legacy and then just sort of retire and you know I've got plans after boxing as well I'm not just one of these people that boxing 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 I've got lots of things I want to do outside of boxing but you know I can look at that and it's overwhelming I say how am I going to get there and then I lose my next fight you know what I mean? So I just have to take it one step at a time and whatever's around the corner is around the corner. As, as, as long as I can, you know, look back when I have finished this, it's boxing and give them my all and give them people that, you know, I love and, you know, my friends and family. As long as I've given them memories and given them a bit of inspiration as, as to what I'm doing, I'm happy. And if all of that comes with it, then that's, that's even better. So let's move into the final little bit of the episode then with yourself in this interview and just talk about a few little fun bits about boxing then really. And I want to find out who your favourite fighter of all time is, first of all. <laughs> Triple G. I love Can... Triple G. I love Kim. Oh, 100% beast absolute beast looking forward to his next fight against Derry Vinchenko yeah. going to be a great fight that yeah yeah it's yeah, going to be well hopefully puts him in you know for a potential third fight with Canelo in 2020 that's what we're all hoping for yeah I don't know I, I, I mean I love Golovkin yeah but I think he'll lose that third fight he's, got, he's going to be what 38 39 by the time he fights that a prime Canelo who's obviously going to be coming down from light heavyweight I don't know it's, I, I feel a bit sorry for Glockin in, in, in the sense that he was so heavily avoided during his heyday that he wasn't getting the big names. And when he finally did get the big names, you know, he got sort of stitched up with the decisions. I don't know. They, they, they were good fights, but I think he won those Canelo fights personally. I, don't know, he, 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 I think he's just passing his prime now. And I, hope, I hope he beats Devrichenko um, and comes back and beats Canelo, but you know, it's, it's a lot to ask for someone nearly during their 40s, so... Yeah. Well, it is boxing politics, you're right, 100%. But look at Manny Pacquiao at 40 years old. Yeah, that is true. Yeah, but he's a freak. <laughs> <laughs> he's a freak. He's uh, I like him as well. I mean, 
you know, obviously I didn't know much about boxing before I started, but I'm a, I'm a, I love boxing now. I, I, I watch all the old fights, the old, old fights. Watching like a prime Manny Pacquiao 2009, 2010 is just something else, man. What would be your favourite fight to go and watch on YouTube? Uh, Gatty Ward 1, I think. I like that. That's the one I was showing with my friends. They want to see a real fight. So that, that fight has made me cry. <laughs> yeah, amazing. Um, oh, maybe that's a scrap. Gatty Ward one. Yeah, I mean, there's loads. Duran Leonard, Hagler Hearn. Yeah, there, there are loads. There are loads. I, I, I like uh, um, Hagler Mugabe. Is a yes, scrap. there's loads. There, there are just loads. Yeah, there is. And the one that stands out for me is Gatty Ward one and Gatty Ward three, where he broke his hand. What about you? For me personally, uh, there's yeah. so many of them. It's so difficult to choose from. Uh, but if I think I was going to put in YouTube and I was going to go and, and watch a fight. In particular, I'd actually go and watch the Thriller in Manila. That's that's one of my favourite fights of all time. Ali Fraser Free. That was probably yeah, the, yeah. The, the probably the best uh, of all three. Arguably, people might say it's the first, but for me, it was the third. Yeah, because of the heat as well. Yes, crazy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I suppose you got like, the Ali fights. So you got the Cleveland Williams fight where he just didn't get touched. Like, I love, I love that. Uh, that's a prime Ali. That's what I mean. You, you, you could sit and talk about it for about three hours, fight like, old fights, but the the, the one that stands out to me is the Gatty Ward one fight just because there's just some there's just like an emotional connection to that fight that everyone seems to have when they watch it yeah I can't I can't speak hardly enough of that particular fight it's one of the best fights I've ever seen as well but you know in terms of in terms of some of them great fights that we've we've seen over the years and some of the ones that we've had the opportunity to watch and I know you said when you were growing up you was uh, watching Ricky Hatton at sort of as he was coming towards the back end of his career the, the Mayweather fight the build up for that particular fight was was just something unreal. That must have been great as at the age you was at the time, looking at all them fans and looking at the way that the hype was built up for that fight. Oh yeah, I mean he was a, a phenomenal, wasn't he, Ricky had with with his support. I think he took twenty thousand over over for the Pacquiao fight to Las Vegas, which you know you, you, nowadays there's probably a handful of fighters that could sell twenty thousand tickets over here. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's uh, true. Uh, the, the fact that he was able to generate that buzz is. Um, yeah, really. Yeah, it's really inspiring. And he's just a normal lad, you know. He didn't, he didn't necessarily give it the bigger, and he didn't uh, talk the talk. He was just a normal lad, and people took to that, and he, and he, and he could have a scrap. So you know. So any final shout outs for yourself then Dan as we come towards the end any particular people that you want to give thanks to uh, as part of this journey to date no not really no no I'm joking <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah no thank you for the interview firstly because I really appreciate it thank you Colin for setting it up but obviously my, my family um, my friends that are coming to the fights and support me um, Twist Gym you know because they, they help me out with my work and no, without them I couldn't do this um, Adam and Mick my coaches uh, my sponsors Homes for Heroes Pilgrim Brewery um, New Era Metals Think website yeah you know Dave and Tanya of Hair Rays they've, they've sponsored me for this fight as well um, and yeah I, I don't know whether there's anyone I've forgotten but just, just thank you to everyone that's going to listen to this interview and just to take interest in in boxing and in my career it goes a long way and you've got obviously a fight coming up in a few weeks time just just let everybody know obviously when that fight is and where they can get hold of you to get tickets for it yeah that fight is um october the 12th it's a six rounder a uh, york call bethnal green um you can follow me on instagram daniel morley 97 uh, i've got a facebook page daniel morley so um you can yeah like that um and just send me a message you can check my videos on youtube as well if you're interested in watching my boxing yeah i see really so dan 
It's been a pleasure. Thanks for coming on. Really appreciate your time and telling us your story and your journey through boxing. And I wish you nothing but the best of luck for your fight on the October the 12th. Uh, top man, so I really appreciate you having me on. And um, yeah, no, it's, it's been really fun. Thank you, man. So a big thanks there to Dan for coming on the show. Really enjoyed listening to his story and his journey through boxing. Big shout out to Colin from CM Management for setting the interview up and for everything he does for his fighters. If you've enjoyed this first episode of the series, please go and let us know on social media at BTR Boxing Pod on Twitter and BTR Boxing Podcast on Facebook. You can also subscribe to the podcast on Podbean, Stitcher, Spreaker, Player FM, Spotify and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, rate us. Leave us a review and let us know your thoughts on the new series, plus any of the other series that we run. So thanks very much for listening. As always, to BTR Boxing Pod, this was Ones to Watch, Series 3, Episode 1, with Dan Morley. Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.